Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. This morning we're having a baptismal service, and I'm uh, really excited about that. If you will, uh, turn your attention to the screens, and they're going to share uh, with you this morning their testimonies before they go into the water. Hi, my name is Bryson Hi, I'm 11 years old, and I, I'm getting baptized because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. Hi, I'm Paisley Winters, and I'm 7 years old, and I, I'm getting baptized because he died on the cross for our sins. I'm Raina Barnett, I'm 20 years old, and I'm ready to get baptized because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Hi, my name is Reagan Grace Medlock, and I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I am going to be baptized today. My name is Tom Williamson. I have been fortunate to have been saved in my adult life, and I do profess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I am looking forward to becoming a part of East Hazel Baptist Church so I can have my family and kids grow up in a great church community. My name is Riley Robinson, I'm 12 years old, and I'm getting baptized today because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that I could be saved. Hi, my name is Brendan High, I'm 13, and I'm getting baptized here at East Taylorsville Church this morning because I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and that he's my Lord and Savior. Hi, my name is Amy Hupke Oxentine, and this is my testimony. In 1990, I was baptized, but I don't think I knew the true meaning of God, forgiveness, and Christianity. On March 19, 2010, I was saved, and my life was changed forever. I know Jesus died for my sins, and I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I know that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and he paid my debt and I will forever be grateful. Hello, my name is Megan Medlock. I was fortunate enough to grow up in church and was christened as a child in the United Methodist Church. I'm excited today to publicly profess my belief in Jesus Christ, that he is my Lord and Savior, and I'm looking forward to becoming a member of the East Taylorsville family. Hi, my name is Evie Johnson and I'm 11 years old and I'm getting baptized because I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins in my place and that he loves us and I will follow him for the rest of my life. Good morning. Well, there's not some good baptismal testimonies. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. All right, we have uh, 10 candidates for baptism this morning. The first is Paisley Winters. And Paisley, I'll ask you uh, two questions before I baptize you. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Paisley, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. God bless you. Next, we have Evie Johnson. Appreciate her and her family very much. Uh, Evie, I'll ask you the same questions I did Paisley. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Easily, Evie, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in innocent life. Y'all pray for me. That's a lot of names to remember here. Next, we have Riley Robinson. Be careful. Really appreciate Riley and her family as well. Riley, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Riley, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. God bless you. We have Reagan Medlock, and I really appreciate her and her family as well. It's been great getting to know them. Reagan, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Reagan, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised and walked in his life. I think she doubted my strength there for a moment. <laughs> Next, we have Raina Barnett. Raina, I'll ask you the same question. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Raina, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the midst of life. God bless you. Next, we have Megan Medlock. Honored to baptize her and her daughter today. Okay, stay right here. I'll ask you the same questions. Ask your daughter. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Megan, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the name of God. God bless you. Thank you. Next, we have Amy Oxentine. Really appreciate her testimony and how that she got her salvation settled. And she did the right thing. She wants to be uh, baptized again. And Amy, I love you and your family and honored to baptize you today. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes, sir. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Amy, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, praise the walk in the midst of life. God bless you. Love you. I really appreciate this family and, and their uh, attendance here at East Hills Baptist Church. Bryson, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Bryson, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raise the walk in the of life. God bless you, brother. we have his brother Brendan there again I really appreciate this family Brendan I ask you the same questions I asked your brother is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life yes do you promise to follow him all the days of your life yes Brendan because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit buried with him in his death raised to walk in the midst of life God bless you We have Tom Williamson. I really appreciate Tom and his testimony. And Tom, I'll ask you the same questions I asked nine other people before you. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you promise to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Tom, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death, raised to walk in the name Amen. Would you pray with me now? Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. Father, I want to thank you for these ten who publicly profess their faith in the resurrected Christ through believers' baptism. And Father, I pray that as a church, Lord, as a pastor, that we'll do everything that we possibly can to help them to grow. Lord, I want to thank you for their attendance here at East Hills Baptist Church. And Lord, I'm honored to take part in this service with them today. I pray, pray that you bless their friends and family that are here. We just want to tell you that we love you today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together.
God, we know you have so much more. We're looking to a new horizon. We're praying for your rain to pour. An overflowing of true redemption. An overflowing of your Well, it's sure good to be here this morning for this baptismal Sunday, and uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but seven of those ten that got baptized have, are either currently in student ministries here at East Tales or have been through our student ministries, so that's why uh, what we do is very important. Anything from nursery working uh, up to extended session to Sunday nights to Wednesday nights to Awana, um, if you are looking for a place to serve and you want to be a part of what took place this morning, if you will contact me, I will get you plugged in where you can serve, and uh, you can also have a small part uh, in a service like this where uh, young folks come to know the Lord and they're baptized. So I just want to make you aware of that. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Justin. I do the uh, student and, and kids worship or ministries here, and um, typically I'm doing kids worship. So this morning, that's good to be up here with all the adults, and um, so that's why I want to introduce myself because I haven't seen you guys in about three months, it feels like. Um, but uh, sure glad that everybody's here this morning. And uh, if you will, if you'll go ahead and stand up with us, we're going to continue on with our service and worship. And um, sing along with us.
singing that song I thought of Paul's writings in Romans 5 8 God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us aren't you glad you know him this morning wasn't it good to see those follow him in obedience and baptism well this morning I want to ask you to come and join me in prayer as we pray for the people in Ukraine we were talking about some of those people they've lost everything they're fleeting for their life you know, there's people there sharing the gospel and trying to give them aid. But we need to lift them up in prayer. So I want to invite you to come and pray for the people of Ukraine this morning. Also, I want to pray for those that we've talked to throughout the week who are hurting, going through difficult times. If you're one of those people, or if you know somebody you need to be praying for, I want to invite you to come. Would you come and join me in prayer this morning? You come. Holy this morning father we want more and more of you and less of us father help us to become more like you and less like us father this morning we want to thank you that you hear and you answer prayer and we want to thank you father for being very present in our life lord that we don't walk alone and father we have your presence in us and through us because we know you we thank you for giving us the gift of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And Lord, you, you came, you, you live in us, and we thank you so much for being our Savior this morning. We thank you for grace, that Lord, that your mercies are renewed every morning that we awake. And I want to thank you and praise you for that. Lord, help us never to take for granted the opportunity to come before you, to call on your name, and Lord, to hear from you. Lord, we want to thank you this morning. I pray you'd bless this time. I pray you'd meet the needs on this altar and those who are going through difficult times. Lord, you're the answer. Lord, you're all present, God, and we thank you that you're able to help us through difficult moments. And Lord, that you walk with us through life and even in death. You're present, and we thank you for that. And Father, I pray today you'd bless this service, the remainder of this time. And Father, may your people worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
begins to question certain circumstances, things I could not understand. And many times in trials, weakness blurs my vision, and my frustration gets so out of hand. But it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. And then I look at all the victories and the spirit rises up in me. And it's through the fire my weakness is made strong. Oh, he never promised that the cross would not. Thank you, choir. Was that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Thank you so much. I just want to mention that at the end of service, we'll have uh, uh, several folks come to join this morning. Um, but as you know, the requirement for membership here is, uh, number one, you have to be born again. Number two, baptism by immersion. And then number three, take the new members class. And the reason we have the new members class is so that you can know what we believe, why we believe it. Uh, I'll give you a tour of the facilities. Um... We talk about baptism. We, we'll also schedule a Sunday for you to join. That way it's not real awkward at the invitation time. So if you're interested in church membership, our next new members class will be April 3rd, which is next Sunday at 5 p.m. in the conference room in the Jennings Family uh, Ministry Building. Also want to mention, uh, somebody asked me to mention this. The Sunday I was gone, the Baptist Children's Home came and did a wonderful presentation, did they not? 
And uh, we took up an offering at the end of that service. We didn't tell you it was going to take up an offering. And I think we raised that morning about $4,500 for that Baptist children's home. And uh, we uh, support, when you give to East Hills Baptist Church, when you tithe, okay, a portion of that money goes to the North Carolina Baptist State Convention. And what that money does, it, su- it supports a whole host of things. Every children's home we have in North Carolina, which is many, we have more than just one. It supports all those. It supports uh, certain seminaries. It supports disaster relief, which uh, North, North Carolina Baptist or Southern Baptist disaster relief is one of the top two in the, in a, in the world. There's just not any better. Uh, whenever, if a, if a natural disaster happened here, a large one, okay, in North Carolina, a North Carolina Baptist disaster relief would be there until it's done. I, I mentioned this before when Hurricane Katrina hit. I can't remember the guy's name. He was on Good Morning America, I think, or one of those morning shows. He went back to Mississippi or New Orleans almost eight years later. And he said the only organization still here is not the Red Cross, it's not this, that, or the other. It's the Baptist men of the Southern Baptist Convention. They were still building homes eight years later. Uh, when the tsunami hit, uh, disaster relief from, from, this state, from this country, supported by your uh, monies, went to those affected areas. And say, when I went to Haiti after the earthquake, I told you this before, I saw these, uh, these tarps and these tents. You saw some Red Cross, you saw Samaritan's Purse, and you saw disaster relief through North Carolina Baptist, Florida Baptist, and just Baptist in general. So when you give, okay, your money, a portion of that money, don't just uh, take care of everything that happens here. You got local missions. We have missions all throughout the world. When you give to Annie Armstrong, you're helping missionaries in uh, America. Uh, when you give to Lottie Moon, you're helping missionaries all throughout the world. And you're helping them, but what you're doing is you're paying their salary, you're paying their expenses, you're paying everything. Okay. So whatever you give, whatever your tithe is, and that's between you and the Lord, it goes to support a lot of stuff. I may just do a, a Sunday morning sermon one time, and Tyler, like, where does your money go? Wouldn't you like to know? Okay, we're, we're as transparent about uh, our giving here as just about, I think, just about any church I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of three churches. The Lord saved me when I was 20. First church was Millersville Baptist Church. Great church. Uh, I really appreciate all that they built into my life. Three Forks and then East Taylorsville. And I, I gave to all of them and didn't bother me one bit. Okay, I love the church. Church has done more for me than I could ever do for it. And if you're not a member of a church somewhere, I'd encourage you to be a member of a church somewhere. And in the new members class, if you find out this isn't a church, maybe you don't like my preaching or whatever, I'll find you a church, okay? I have some of my buddies, they said, you, you realize that Jane and Sally Doe came here and said you told them to come? And I said, they want to scream and yell, I'm just not that guy, and you are. He said, thank you, brother. So we'll find you a church, okay? Uh, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings entitled Questions and Answers. The first question we answer, and everything that we try to answer here comes through the Bible, is does a person go to heaven if they die in a natural disaster? Does a person go to heaven if they're trying to save somebody's life? Does a person go to heaven if they, if they die in this tragic accident? And the answer is a person goes to heaven because they place their faith and trust in Jesus. That's a non-negotiable. You're justified by faith in Christ. It's not how you die or why you die that sends a person to heaven. And Jesus shared that in Luke chapter 13. Then we looked at the rapture. Is it real? Some people say it is. Some people don't. Some people are looking for it. Some people don't. I give you my views on it why I believe what I believe. Okay. Last week, we looked at this. What kind of bodies are we going to have in heaven? Aren't you thankful you're not going to be in this body the rest of your life and throughout eternity? Aren't you thankful? I woke up this morning hurting. I don't know what Renee did to me, but I was hurting. Okay, I'm 52. I was just hurting. Okay, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But I know one day when we get to glory, we're not going to have to worry about it. Think about people that have lifetime disabilities. Can you imagine their first day in heaven? Can you imagine? The bodies, Paul told us what is sown in weakness is raised in power. This imperishable body, or this perishable body, and we all, we're all decaying, will be raised imperishable. Isn't that amazing? And I, I, I mentioned this, and I thought about this uh, as a pastor. I know what's going on more so than you guys do, okay? The good and the bad in people's lives. Imagine just waking up every day and you feel good. Isn't that, that going to be amazing? Just think about that. The very things you want to do for the Lord now, you're limited. I'm limited in my knowledge. There's better speakers. Of course there are. There's more... Uh, People have a better grasp of the English language than Jamie Steele and all God's people said. You reckon? I think so. Ain't that the truth? But listen, imagine being all you can be for the Lord forever. Think about the greatest worship experience you've ever had, wherever it's at on the planet. You might not have been in church. Some of mine have not been in church. Imagine that every day. Imagine seeing Jesus. You can't see him now. 
with these bodies. Flesh and blood, Paul said, will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's just not going to do it. But there's a better day coming, amen? There's a better day coming. Last week, a young lady from this church came up. Gracie, this is your fault. This message is your fault, Gracie Plum Garner. She said, what happens to babies when they die? And I got to thinking, what does happen to babies when they die? What about miscarriage? What if, what if your baby dies in the womb? What happens? Great question. You'd be amazed throughout history the different views churches have had on that. Okay? We're going to look at it, and what I always tell you is this. You believe what you want to. I'm going to speak the truth as I know it, and I'm going to love you anyway. Amen? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak the truth to you as I know it. I really appreciate Stephen Davies, one of the great preachers in America that you never heard of. The point, every point I list here are his points. They're not mine. Okay? I just want to be clear on this. But every time I studied from well-versed uh, people, pastors especially, and theologians, they all had the same point. Every one of them had the same type points. So we're going to look at this together. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, okay, and stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to read verses, excuse me, 16 through 23. Notice what the Bible says. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child. Have you ever been there? Think about this. I have prayed with families in hospitals in my office that had a sick child. Does anything hurt worse? I've preached funerals. Listen to me, church. I have preached funerals where they brought the baby out in almost like a shoebox. Very difficult. Very difficult. Heartbreaking. Okay? David's praying and pleading God for his child. David is in the position he's in because of his sin. God had different standards for the king. Okay? Sin has its consequences. The Bible says that David fasted and went in all, lay all night on the ground. This guy's a prayer. The greatest king Israel ever had. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground. But he would not, nor did he eat food with them. With them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. They, they probably thought David would hurt us or hurt himself. You ever, you ever hurt that bad? Were you thinking about hurting yourself? I've been with people. I've, I've stayed up at nights with people because a tragic event happened to them or their child. And they just don't want to go on. That's where David's at. Israel's greatest king, the psalmist, Israel's greatest warrior, was one of Israel's greatest grievers as well. And he's grieving. And they said, he may hurt himself. And then verse 19, when David saw that his servants were whispering... David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. How can you do that, David? You should be hurting worse. David had an eternal perspective. He understood what happens to babies when he died. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? What a mature response. Look at me. Just because we pray don't mean God's going to answer yes. God's plans are not ours. All right? I don't understand all that. I've left gravesides and I said, Lord, I don't want to ask why, but why? You know, I just don't understand it. We'll pray for people here during the prayer time, and it's like God heals them over time. Then we'll pray for other people, and we'll do their funeral. Why? David says, while he was alive, I prayed and said, God, you can do anything. You can. If you want to heal him, you can. If I get a terminal illness sometime this week, pray that God heal me, but if he don't, he's still God. Amen? He's still on the throne. He's still good. He's still God. He's still, still loving and gracious. God is not somebody that has to manipulate me for me to serve him. I just serve him because he's God. That's what David's saying. While he was alive, I prayed hard for this child. Then he said, but now he's dead. Why should I fast now? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to, look at the word him. He didn't say I should go to heaven. He says, I shall go to him wherever he's at, but he shall not return to me. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. We want to thank you for your word, and we pray that you would, Lord, bring encouragement to people who have lost children, miscarriages, stillborn, Lord, just bless them and help them. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
When, when one scholar said, in the death of David's baby, David and Bathsheba became a part of a community of sufferers, a community that has grown by the millions down through the ages. And then he says this, infant mortality is a term technically used to refer to the death of a baby before its first birthday. And then this, this pastor said this, I find it tragic that in the state of North Carolina, one of the top three states with the highest infant mortality rates in the country, Nearly 8 out of every 1,000 live births ends in death of a child. I can't remember when he got these stats. Which means that in the past year, out of the 120,000 babies born in the state of North Carolina, more than 900 babies died before their first birthday. If you add to this the number of those babies who are miscarried, the number skyrockets. In fact, if you work off global statistics, the numbers are astronomical. A World Health Organization reports that in one year alone, more than 4 million babies died in countries like Afghanistan, for example, the risk of infant mortality is 100 times greater than America. Experts in this field estimate that the actual figure of infant mortality is somewhere around 10 million babies a year. Mothers and fathers around the world who have experienced stillbirths, miscarriages, and the deaths of infants have shed rivers of tears. And in the aftermath, the question surfaces sooner or later, where are those little ones? Where'd they go? Where did they go? Millions of babies die a year. Where are they? In this text, David clearly states that he and his baby are going to have a reunion in the future. Is David any better than you? He's not, is he? Does David have special treatment with his child over yours? Of course not. We serve the same God, correct? Does God love David more than he loves you? No. Does God love David's child more than yours? No. This passage opens the door to the most profound of all questions. Do babies really go to heaven? If so, why do they go? Why do they go? If I do, we're going to try to answer that question. Guys, I'm just going to go to the first question for the sake of time. Some of these questions is, when does a baby's life begin? Notice what David, in Psalm 139, David's writing a psalm, but he's also writing a lyric. He's singing this, if you will. He says, for you, notice what David says about himself. For you, look at the word formed, my inward parts. He's given all the glory to God. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's what David is saying. You formed my inward parts, God. You did it. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. What, basically what that means is this. One, one scholar put it this way. David pictures God sitting at a sewing machine, or in David's day, a weaver's shuttle, and he informs us that God is choosing the thread and the colors and the style and the pattern, and he is creatively weaving us together. God gives you your unique personality. Your abilities or disabilities, God gives them to you. He, 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 takes, he takes credit for all of it. Why? I don't understand why things happen. But it's not like it's some accident or some tragic thing, in a sense, because God does it. He says, you form my inward parts, which means there are no two Americans alike. There are no two people on the planet alike. You're unique. Isn't that amazing? You're uniquely made in the image of God. God chooses the thread. God chooses the needle. God does it. And he says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully Made The word David uses is translated, the word for fearfully, could mean it's amazing to me. I am wonderfully and fearfully made by God. I am unique. David is boasting in his creator God by saying, I am amazingly and uniquely created by God who formed even the tiniest part of me, weaving me together in the womb. Now what if you don't have that worldview? What if you believe in an evolutionistic type worldview? That we're nothing more than animals. God doesn't say that about animals, does he? God gave us dominion over the animals. That's why you eat them. I'm going to eat dead cow today. Praise God. All right? You ain't going to eat it in heaven. I'm going to eat all I can today. All right? Think about this. Uh, I, I was reading about Time Magazine's 100 people of the year one time. And they had this person listed. His name's Peter Singer. Look at his picture. He works for, uh, I think he's, he's a professor of bioethics at Princeton University. He was recently awarded for his works in philosophy. He's gone on record. Now, this is his words, not mine. Okay? I'm not being a Baptist preacher exaggerating everything. I'm just being what the man said, and he stands by it. He's gone on record, and he isn't alone in this, by the way, that since we're really nothing more than highly evolved animals, I'm no, I'm no different than a dog, it is morally acceptable for a baby to be put to death within 30 days of its birth. True story. He's sp spoken publicly about it. A lot of people have this view. The decision can be completely left to the will of the parent or guardian. Dr. Singer has, unless he's, unless he's uh, repented of all this, Dr. Singer has publicly stated that parents ought to be allowed to kill their children up to one year of age if they evidence that any kind of mental or physical disabilities. He's not singing David's song, is he? Go back to that verse again, the first one previous. This is what David would say. You form my inward parts, Jamie Steele. 
You knitted Jamie Steele together in Carmen Steele's womb. You did it. I will praise you, Jamie Steele, for I, Jamie Steele, am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what it says. And then you have people that have, don't have a biblical worldview. They have this atheistic, evolutionary worldview that says, you're just an, uh, a little greater than a dog. Dr. Singer is not singing David's lyrics. Notice verse 15, David said, My frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was made in secret. The Hebrew word for frame refers to bones or skeletal structure. He's saying here that God was involved in the very development of David's skeleton. Notice what he says in verse 15. You're intricately woven. Notice the word depths of the earth. You know what that means in the Hebrew? The womb. He says, he says we are intricately woven in the depths of the earth. David didn't even understand science. But the Holy Spirit gave him this. You, you are, we are intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Talking about the mother's womb. Your eyes saw my, look at this word, unformed substance. You know what that means in the Hebrew? Embryo. You know what a fetus is? It's not a clump of cells. It's a stage of life. I took biology and I learned that at Sugarloaf Elementary School. It's amazing how sometimes we're getting dumber as we get smarter. God says this, professing to be wise, they became fools. Isn't it amazing how we'll, we'll, we'll try to change science and biology? Because it doesn't fit our political stance or what we believe or what's politically correct. People go away from the Bible. This is David. He says, your eyes saw my embryo. He saw me in the embryo, unformed. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed before me. David is saying this. God is so sovereign over your life and mine that Jamie Steele had a birth date that my parents took part in, but God was ultimately responsible for it. The sperm and the egg came together. I wonder how many times it did that. I never asked mom or dad. <laughs> they probably had never thought of it. I don't know why I'm thinking of it now. But God was behind it, right? He was. And when that happened, I better go on. Look, look. But notice, this is what David's saying. And, and all the Bible writers say the same thing. God, you gave me life. And God, there's a day out there and you're going to give me death. Nothing I can do about it. I say this all the time. The psalmist says, what man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? Can't, can you? And I'll tell you this, and I tell it every funeral service, I'm trying to get healthier. All right, lost 48 pounds. Can't you tell? Y'all can't. Never mind. But, but listen, if I die today, I'm going to die healthy, but I'm going to die. I can't keep myself from the grave. Can't do it. Unless Jesus comes back, you'll have my service. You'll have it either in here or over there, and it'll happen. Because God has a day. It's appointed unto man once to die, comma, then the judgment. And the only reason you can withstand judgment is not because of you. You're not good enough. We're not like the Muslims who say our good deeds have to outweigh our bads because we don't know how bad we are. You sin against a holy, infinite God every day, even as a Christian. That's why we should be some of the greatest repenters in all the world. We should be the most loving, non-judgmental people in Alexander County because we're sinners. Isn't it amazing how you'll judge somebody else's sin but won't judge your own? I, I quit doing that. You know what hurts me, and I've shared this before, when somebody messes up in our town, and I'm not faulting anybody, their picture's on the front page of Total Times, then the second thing that happens is on Facebook. And all the good Christian people out in the county bash them. Bash how they look. Bash what they did. And I'm thinking, you don't know this person. And some of them people bashing people, I said, I know you. <laughs> we went to school together. You probably don't need to say nothing to nobody. Amen? That's why I keep my mouth shut. Because a lot of y'all know me. All right? But think about this. David is saying this. God, you planned my days. David lived to be a ripe old age, the Bible says. Because he eventually got his life right with God. And God blessed him. But David is not like this bioethics professor at Princeton. God help us with that mindset. That pagan, depraved, unspiritual mindset that says you have the right over your child because we're nothing more than evolved animals. Sad, isn't it? He's not singing David's lyrics. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance in the embryo. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. David says, before I was born... I'm amazed because David is saying a lot what Paul tells the church at Ephesus. He says this. Notice what God says to Jeremiah. Same thing. God is speaking to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5. He says, before I formed you, same word, in the womb, I made you unique just for you. I knew you. Is Jeremiah any better than you or your child? No. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Is that unique to Jeremiah? No. 
God knew when I was fumbling around with oral reports in Eric Burgess's classroom at ACHS, amen, thank God I was educated there, that I would be a preacher. You know what Eric Burgess did when he heard me preach first time? He just started laughing. He said, there's got to be a God. There's got to be one. There has to be a God. Jamie Steele's speaking publicly. The longest oral report he told me I gave, I preached his funeral, was two minutes and 32 seconds. And you're thinking, can we have one of those sermons real quick? Think about that. See, God, Jeremiah didn't decide to be a prophet. He didn't want to be one. Every Sunday almost, when I walk these steps, these five steps here, six, I say, God, this, you got me into this. You better help me today. Because this is not what I would have chosen. Amen? Just wouldn't. God told Jeremiah, before I knew you, look, before you were formed, before, before you were even thought of, I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, and I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. When does life begin? At conception. Scientific fact, biblical fact, it's just when it begins. Notice the second question we've got to answer is this, and I'm going to hurry. Does every person live forever? That's an easy answer. The answer is yes, every person, whether they're fully born or not. The critical question isn't, will you live forever? According to Scripture, Solomon said this, the wisest man to ever live, they say. He says this, God has said eternity or implanted eternity in everybody's heart. Everybody on the planet. Okay? The critical question is, where will you live forever? One scholar says the reason the question about babies going to heaven is such a big issue for people inside and outside the church is because the law of God has been implanted on, their heart, on the heart of every human being and we know there's more out there beyond this brief life. It's interesting to note that as Job struggled with his suffering, he went into a lengthy description saying how he wished he had died at birth or even stillborn. You remember that passage? Notice on the screen. This is amazing. God gives us insight. Job said this when he started suffering. You know, Job suffered as greatly in the Old Testament as anybody. Lost his kids, lost his stuff. God attacked his body. And then Job says this. Let the day perish on which I was born. I met people like that. I hate I was even born, preacher. Job would be there. He, he could preach this sermon for you. And the night that said a boy is conceived, Job said, I hate I was even born. I'm just glad the Bible's so honest, aren't you? Shows us flaws and all. Why did I not die at birth? Listen to what he says. Why would he want to die at birth? Look at what he says. Come forth from the womb and expire. Why was I not as a hidden, stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? Now notice what he says. There, he said, if I would have died, I'd have went where they go. There, where the wicked cease from troubling and where the weary are at rest. Job said, it would have been better for me if I'd have been stillborn and went to heaven. That's what he's saying. Job is telling us, babies, regardless of who your parents are or what part of the planet you're on, that you're God's. When Ezekiel was, God was prophesying through Ezekiel about the slaughter of people in, in, in pagan lands, he said this, their children are mine, God said. When they die, they're mine. Where do babies go? Where do babies go when they die? These babies are going to live somewhere forever in heaven. David says this, I go to him where he is. The third question, is there something that we need to do to, so the infants and children get to live forever in heaven? What do we got to do? We got to do something. What do we got to do? Children who are birthed and their lungs are filled with theirs, there's something for a baby right now. Justin, how old Silas? Too much. He had, he's the dad. He's got two kids. Y'all pray for him, all right? Two little ones. Too much. Is there something you got to do for Silas to go to heaven right now? What if he died today? Is there something I got to do? This has plagued Christianity since Jesus rose from the dead. And some churches will get together and say, we got to get those kids baptized. We got to sprinkle water on them. Nothing wrong with that. That's what you want to do. That does not ensure heaven for anybody. Water does not save anybody. This water does not save anybody. I was saved on October 30th, 1999, about a mile from here. Okay, place my faith in Jesus. I was baptized as a picture of that. Jamie Steele has died. Jamie Steele's rose from that old life as best I can. And I'm going to follow Jesus Christ who died and rose from the dead. You remember the mikvah I showed you at the synagogues? The Jews at that time thought that they could be born again through water. And Jesus told Nicodemus, no, nah, you can't do that. You've got to be born of the water and the spirit, sir. You've got to have the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life. Down through the years, the Lutheran Augsburg Confession says this, Baptism is necessary to salvation, and that through baptism the grace of God is offered, and that children are baptized who, being offered to God through baptism, are received into His grace 
this same view is held by Roman Catholics, Anglicans, Episcopalians, and others. And what they're saying, if your kid is unbaptized, August, Augustine said this, then they cannot go to heaven, but if you sprinkle water on them, they're going to make it. I need some of that water, don't you? Just give me some of that water I'll carry around with me, and I'll sprinkle it all over all my old buddies. And everybody's got a crazy uncle, don't they? Just throw a little water on him make him drink it. He's going to get in there. There isn't a ceremony or initiation or sprinkling or holy water or prayers that are provided in the Bible as a means whereby an infant goes to heaven. David assumes his child will. How can we assume that? Number four is this. How does a stillborn child go to heaven? Now, the Bible teaches we're all saved by grace, right? Born again or not. Uh, born again. All that are born again are saved by grace. One, one scholar says, therefore, we cannot be saved by works. We can only be saved by grace. But somewhere in the Bible, is anyone ever threatened with merely dying for the guilt inherited for Adam? Notice Romans 5, verse 19. Paul says, for by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, which means you're a sinner by nature. David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. We're all sinners, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that because you inherited Adam's guilt, that you go to hell for that. Nowhere. The Bible always, and John Piper put it this way, he writes in his commentary on this subject, that whenever Scripture describes the inhabitants of hell, the stress is on their willful, sinful acts of rebellion. Scripture always connects eternal condemnation with works of unrighteousness and willful. That's why in Revelation 20, when you stand, the law stand before God, the books are open. Romans 1 declares that the entire world will be without excuse, not because they rejected the gospel, and are guilty of eternal punishment, but because they suppress the truth about God and creation, and they denied the authority of God's law in their conscience. What if you can't do that? Can a baby do that? Can a, can a two-month-old Silas do that? Does Silas know anything other than eating and messing up diapers? I know he does it because Justin whines about it every day. God help us. I'm kidding. <laughs> As one author puts it, these little ones aren't saved because they don't believe, but because they couldn't believe. Interesting point. John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon has the same viewpoint. The same viewpoint. B.B. Warfield, Lorraine Boatner, who are good Calvinists, all have the same viewpoint. John Piper, preaching uh, at a funeral for an infant, said this. Now listen to what he says. I'm just going to summarize his funeral uh, sermon. I'll listen to it of an infant. Okay? Because it raises all kinds of problems if you're into covenant theology or different other denominations. Jesus says this in John 9, 41. To those who were offended at his teaching and asked if he thought they were blind. And this is what he said. You think we're blind, Jesus? Jesus said this. If you were blind, you would not have sinned. Now listen. If you were blind to what I'm saying, you would not have sinned. He says. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You know what he's telling the Jewish leaders? You know what I'm telling you. I preached my life out of the Old Testament the whole time. You know, you know the truth. You're just saying you're blind. You're rejecting the truth that you know is here. You know it. When a person like me looks at the world, okay, I know that there's something behind it. And what Paul told the church at Rome is the reason you worship wood, you worship water, you worship the moon, and you worship the sun is because you suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and you'll be held guilty because of that. What if a person can't do that? What if a person is mentally handicapped? What if they can't? That's what John Piper's saying. He says this, in other words, if a person lacks a natural capacity to see, are we good? I'm trying, that's my cue to hurry up. In other words, if a person lacks a natural capacity to see the revelation of God's will or glory, then that person's sin would not remain. God would not bring the person into final judgment for not believing what he had no natural capacity to see. God is a just judge. If you're lost and God condemns you to whatever hell is, it's going to be just. You're not more just and holy than God. You're not more loving. You're not. You're just not. So if you're sitting here saying, ah, oh, babies inherited this, the guilt of Adam, then they're not going to heaven and they had no capacity, you're not a real just person. That's what John Piper's saying. And he talks about Romans 1.20. He says where Paul is dealing with persons who have not heard the gospel and have no access to it, but who do have access to the revelation of the glory of God in nature, they'll be held accountable. He says, in other words, if a person does not, did not have access to the revelation of God's glory, did not have the natural capacity to see it and understand it, then Paul implies that they would have an excuse at the judgment. He goes on to say this. The point for us is that even though we human beings are under the penalty of everlasting judgment and death because of the fall of our race into sin and the sinful nature that we all have, 
Nevertheless, God only executes his judgment on those who have the natural capacity to see his glory and understand his will and refuse to embrace it as their treasure, which is 99.9% of the people that's ever been born. But what about that other percent like David's? And he goes on to say this, infants, I believe, do not have, yet have the capacity, and therefore in God's inscrutable way, he brings them under the forgiving blood of his son. What is the age of accountability? It's nowhere in the Bible. I have no idea. I would tell you here today, if you're hearing me preach, I'll tell you this. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And I'm going to prove it to you in a couple of weeks. Jesus died on the cross and bore God's wrath for your just sin. He died in your place. You all know that's true. Okay? You all do. Jesus died and on the third day he rose from the dead, which is a historically verifiable event in recorded history. There's more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than the life of Julius Caesar. You know it's true. The reason some of you in here will never give your life to Jesus is because you love your sin. Jesus said when the light came, the darkness ran because they loved their darkness more than the light. It's not a mental issue with you at all. You're without excuse. And if you die in your sins, Jesus said, he constantly said this to the Jewish people, you're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in your sins. And you're going to have to give an account of your sins. And whatever God's judgment is for you, it's going to be just. It's going to be right. There's nothing going to be wrong about it. And the Bible says in Romans that the, at, the mal, at, 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 at the judgment, that the mouths of all unbelievers will be stopped. Nobody's going to argue. Nobody's going to argue. If I, if I leave here today and get on 6490, y'all know the new road? Y'all know where the new road is? Yeah, it's right near the new Walmart, okay? If I, if I drive 70 in a 55 and I rode with state troopers, I'm going to get pulled. And if I know I'm doing it, if they come up beside me, you know what I'm going to say? Nothing. You know why? Because I'm guilty. And when a lost person stands before God, a holy, just, loving, merciful God, they're not going to say a word. The few times I've been to court, you know what I said? Now, before the Lord saved me, I got in some issues and had to go stand before a judge. You know what I said? All cocky before I went in there. Okay. That's all you're saying. Because you know you're guilty. You know you're guilty. You know without a shadow of a doubt you're guilty. Today is the day of salvation, Paul says. You, there's no excuse that's going to be good enough for you. You know, when I saw the beauty of Jesus in the gospel, as a 20-year-old young man, okay, I remember the night I got saved, I looked at the guy who led me to the Lord, and he worked in Alexander County, a mental health specialist, okay? I said, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Heard the gospel, fully understood it, and embraced it. That's the next step for many of you. That's it. That's it. And for those of you, look at the final thing, and we'll close. What's happening with your little one right now in heaven? And we've had people this week go through this. This week. Tough. What are they doing right now? How old are they? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I try not to speak where God's silent for the most part. All right? I don't know. But I know what they're doing. According to Revelation 4 and 5, they're praising Jesus right now. John said, I saw it like an untold multitude. I can't count them all. Around the throne. And they're singing. Glory to the Lamb that was slain. That's who they're singing to. Nobody else. There's one superstar and that's Jesus. The right hand of God, and they're singing to him. You know what else I think they're doing? Moms and dads, I think they're praying for you. Why not? I think they know you. I think they're praying for you. And I think they're waiting on you. Notice what David said? My son can't come back to me, but I'll go to him. I wish there was something I could do as a pastor to heal the hurt that comes with somebody losing a child. I wish I could. Can't do it. But I know Jesus can. And I'll tell you this much. If you, if, you're, if you have a biblical worldview, then God can heal hurts that medicine can't, a psychologist can't, but the Holy Spirit can. Amen? And I would tell you that God loves you. And I would tell you this. If you know Jesus, if there's a little boy or girl, I don't know how old they're going to be, they're going to be waiting on you. They'll never come back to you. But if you know the Lord, you can go to them. Amen? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful for the gospel? I'm going to ask you just to stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. I'm not going to give a long invitation. As our musicians come, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, our staff will be here. We've got people that's going to be joining the church as well. It's invitation time. I'm going to tell you just to come forward if you're going to join the church.
If you're here today and you need somebody to pray with you, maybe you uh, have lost a child and you'd like for one of our staff to pray with you, this altar is open as well. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come to your prayer, we want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you for, uh, Father, the hope that we have. Father, I pray for every mom and dad who's lost a child. Father, only you can heal that, heal that kind of hurt. Only you can. So, Father, I'm thankful that you can and will. Father, if there's anyone here today that's placing their faith in religion or placing their faith in good deeds, Father, I pray that they would place their faith in Jesus. We're justified by faith. Paul said that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And, Father, I pray that you'd save for your honor and your glory today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This altar is open. You respond as God leads you this morning. guys, if I can have your attention, uh, we have several uh, people going to join the church this morning. I'm going to ask Susan to come up here, Susan Johnson. She's been saved and baptized. She comes to be a member of East Hazel Baptist Church. Do we have a motion to accept her? Do we have a second? All in favor, say amen. amen. All right. And listen, we give a brick out to all the adults. The, the kids, have already, their families already got one. What this brick means is it takes us all to build the kingdom of God. I'm no better than you are. All right, as pastor, I'm no better than you. Uh, we're all the same. Amen. So this is your brick, Susan. Thank you so much. And if you'll stand here with us, all right? I'm going to ask Brooks and Rachel Schaefer to come up. Really appreciate them. They've been coming to East Hales for quite a long time and been through Class 101, saved and baptized. And they uh, would like to join. Do I have a motion to accept them as members? Do I have a second? All in favor, say amen. 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 Thank you so much, guys. Welcome to East Hales Baptist Church. I'm going to ask you to stand right here. Next, we have Braden and Riley Robinson. They got decent parents, all right? <laughs> got a great pastor though but they come this morning to be uh, I really appreciate y'all and love you thank you for your service here uh, they come this morning to be members of East Hills Baptist Church so we have a motion to accept them do we have a second all in favor say amen amen, amen. all right next we have Paisley Winters appreciate her and her family y'all come on up guys she was baptized this morning she comes to be a member of East Hills Baptist Church do we have a, a motion to accept her as a member do we have a second all in favor say amen all right. Is there anybody else? Did I miss somebody? I'm getting old. I gotta have a cheat sheet and everything else. Who is it? Oh, Evie. I'm sorry. I didn't even see y'all down here. I really appreciate Rince and Amy. I love you both. And Evie, you come here. All right. What was her testimony? Not great. That was a blessing, wasn't it? She comes to join East Hills Baptist Church. Do I have a motion to accept her? Do I have a second? All in favor, say Amen. All right. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And uh, I just say, you may want to come by and uh, shake their hand. Uh, you're, you're fine to do that after I pray. We'll dismiss. Tonight, we have regular schedule at 5 p.m. We're going to start a new David Jeremiah study in our Bible study group. But God bless you. Thank you for being here at East Hill Baptist Church. I love every one of you. My number's in the bulletin if you need anything, okay? Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the baptisms, for these joining the church. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you alone can extend and help us in our time of need. We thank you for our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. And once again, all of God's people say together, Amen. Amen. God bless you and hope you have a great week.